0: Everyone, and welcome. I'm Mr. B. This is the MTAC More Than a Classroom podcast back from a little two week hiatus. Um, being completely upfront with you guys, I know that I said I wasn't going to miss a week, but I forgot um, just to get personal with you for a second. I'll get right into the content, you know, the educational content stuff in a second. But um, this past weekend, going into it, the Labor Day weekend was not only a three day weekend, but it was also the one year anniversary of my mother's passing which was sudden and tragic and all that so i'll i'll be honest mental health was not in a uh was not in a good spot last weekend so i do apologize for that however we're back and uh yeah i'm excited i know that a lot of you you saw the title and you said testing ugh i hate testing yeah a lot of the teachers hate testing too (laughs) we'll go over it um and, and it's just it's something that makes a lot of people cringe. I totally totally understand, so um and then we'll probably do an episode on on mental health coming up here shortly. I thought about doing it last week, but I was like nah i I don't want to make it just a just a sap story episode so anyway testing i'm I'm gonna go a little out of order uh this week. we're gonna go student student perspective and then parent and then we're gonna end with the teacher perspective so Students, because I, I know that this might be one where you're listening and you say, "I hate testing," right? So I'm going I'm to start with you. So first, testing is difficult. Okay, I understand that adding stress to something hardly ever makes us better. I had this discussion with my my musical theater kids a lot when we're going to actually do our our performance right for our Broadway program, and. They, get, they always get really nervous. Sometimes the students that they've been cool as a cucumber all year, they might start to freak out right before the show. And we gotta have, I got to have a little chat with them. I always do a little pep talk before we go out. But I always tell them being nervous for something means that you care, right? I'd be more concerned if you didn't care at all. And I'm sure that I have some students listen to this where you're like, yeah, testing doesn't really bother me. I think as you get older – um, and the tests get a little more difficult, or maybe you, you kind of have to face that, that failure, um, a couple times. It definitely gets a little daunting. Maybe you're at an age right now where the tests haven't been too, too much of a challenge for you, and I'm happy for you, but you will definitely hit a wall with a class somewhere. And when you face that failure, it's, it's all about how are we going to rebound? How are we going to approach the next testing situation that we're in? So, the one thing that I will say to make testing easier on you, and I promise this is not just because I'm a teacher, but even as a student I said this, is just do everything else. like do, do the homework. Do the classwork. Ask the questions that need to be asked in the moment. There is not a single teacher that I know that is not willing to help a student if they come to them for the help on something. And I know that there are students listening to this right now where you – might be a really good student. You pride yourself on being an A's and B's student, maybe straight A's, whatever it may be. And we have this idea that since we do so well all the time that the teachers just assume we're going to know it. And a lot of times they might, right? Maybe they're focusing their energy towards a student that is not doing so well, and they do need more one-on-one help on average. But that doesn't mean that you are any less capable of, of receiving the help, any more needy of that help. So please make sure to reach out to that teacher and say, hey, I don't get this one. In fact, it's probably a breath of fresh air to that teacher to be like, okay, good. I'm glad like this student who, ha- who generally doesn't ask for help and generally does okay on the tests is, um, is asking for help. So, um, And then look at a test as a way to showcase everything that you've learned, not just as a test. Which is what it what it is, right? This is the musician in me, where I look at it, and when I tell my students with the concerts coming up, I say, "Hey, guys, a concert is not a test. This is not like all the parents and audience members are sitting in the audience, holding your music, and they're all professional musicians looking at your music and judging all the things that you are doing at all. In fact, you are going to be way more um, harsh." on yourself. I always love the saying, we're our own worst critic, right? So you are going to be more harsh on your performance than anybody else in the crowd. In fact, at the middle school level and even beginning high school level, a lot of the parents and audience members, family members, friends that watch you are going to be happy with whatever product you put on the stage, unless it's a complete dumpster fire, right? So just look at it as an opportunity to go showcase all of the wonderful things that you've been working on in class, and there's no reason why a test shouldn't be the same. If you know that you've really been trying hard in your ELA class, your English class, whatever you want to call it, if you've been working really hard in your English class because that was something that you struggled with before, writing papers and such, and your nine-weeks exam, quote-unquote, is to write a paper on a topic over the course of two weeks and you do really well on that paper, that, that should that should be something that you're super proud of. And having the motivation to get better and being like, hey, I know that I have gotten better at this subject. Now, now is the time for me to show the teacher, show my parents and guardians, show my friends in the class that maybe I wasn't scoring as high as they were before. Show them that you can do it, right? It's almost like a get a little bit of an ego out there, like you got it parents this is a hard one right test anxiety is a huge deal for our students i would suggest finding practice tests online for all of the major ones if you're the if you're a parent of a high schooler i know that we had when i was in high school we could take the sat or the act those are the two big standardized tests that we could take and i took both of them when i was in high school and they're a little different in the formatting but find the practice tests for those don't just even if it's free. I know that we got to take the – I don't know if it was the school or the county or whatever, but I got to take the test once, the SAT, without paying for it. I had to pay for the ACT. But I was able to take the SAT the first time, uh, the only time, without paying for it because the school just offered it for free on a weekend. And I really wish that I would have taken practice tests online, online. Get one of the books that helps you. You don't have to hire some big fancy tutor to come in and work on it. But a big thing with those standardized tests is not the questions themselves or the content. It's the format of the questions. And I didn't even know going into the SAT, oh, on the SAT, if you don't know the answer, you should leave it blank. Like, Don't try guessing because that's actually going to bring your score down. I don't know if it's still that way, but when I was going to school, it was whereas with the ACT making an educated guess was actually encouraged because you didn't get penalized not answering a question was the same as getting it wrong so for me as a student i felt like even though i might not have known the answer i was a pretty good i was pretty good at just um, getting rid of the answers you know process of elimination with some of them getting it down to 2 and then making the best educated guess that i could and i think that there's something to be said about students that are able to do that. So that's why I like the ACT a lot better, by the way. And I, I scored okay. On the SAT, I don't even remember which one I took. I think it was the one that that went to 2100 or something. I got a 1620 on the SAT, and I got a 30 on the ACT, which was out of 32. I don't know if it is anymore, but – so I just took the ACT and ran. <laughs> um, it got me into the school that I wanted to go to anyway, so we're good. So the other another couple things for parents – Find ways to put your kids in a quote unquote test environment more often. Things that can only be accurately judged in the moment where you you have to kind of be uncomfortably put on the spot from time to time because that makes it so that the testing in the school system is not the only time they're feeling that because there's just a thickness in the air when you're in that testing room. And you're not allowed to talk, and you're not allowed to have headphones in and listening to music, and you don't have people talking around the room, even just the teacher talking. It is silence in those rooms, and all you hear if they're on the computer is just the clicks of keyboards and mouses, mouses, mice. (laughs) Um, That's all you hear, right? So putting them in high-pressure situations, maybe not high-pressure, but on-the-spot things, things like sports. I I think about uh, in baseball, right? When you're playing baseball and you're at the plate, it's just you and the pitcher and you're either going to get a hit or you're going to get a walk or you're going to strike out. And those are your three outcomes. And so when that child is in that situation, there are no take backs. There's no, oh man, I struck out. Let me stay at the plate and get another at bat. There's none of that. You have to walk back to the dugout and, Face the music and then come up with a strategy for the next time you come up and hopefully that picture's up again. All right, what did they do that last time? Let's readjust and do that. And I already talked about music events, concerts. It's the same thing. If your child is interested in acting and they're doing takes for, a I don't know, a music video that they're helping a friend film or something and you've only got enough time for one more take, how you react in that moment will be indicative of how you generally are going to react on a test. Remind kids that the test is not everything. And understand that one failed test does not make a failure of a student. We always get caught up in the negative of everything we all do as humans. That's always how it is, right? When you are going about your day. Your day can be 98% good, but that 2% of the day where that email came in that you did not want to see, you don't know how to react or you tripped and fell going into Starbucks and some little punk teenagers, you know, not all teenagers are punks, but you know, some some little punks, you know, laughed at you or something and it just was not the best part of the day. That's what we get hung up on. So tell the students Don't get hung up on the test either, because then you might end up letting that affect you the rest of the day, the rest of the week, the rest of the semester. All of a sudden you fail one math test, and we think we're going to fail every math test, and then that ends up stressing us out even more. Sometimes it's better to just move on. The next thing that I think is super, super important that we forget as adults, because this is a skill that we forget has to be crafted, and that is time and work management. Watching your students complete their homework at home or <clears throat> just seeing how they go about problem solving and asking them to think their, their process out loud will help us to better assess how our students are wired and how they are figuring stuff out. I know that a lot of parents get scared. They see, oh, the math is taught different now than it was when I was a kid. And so I'm just going to say that I don't know it. And that's okay. You might not know it. But sitting down and having your student talk it out to you, number one, is helping them learn. Because if they are teaching others, that's actually the best way to learn, scientifically proven, is teaching others. But it will also help you to help them deal with their time management, their work management better. When I was a student in high school. I get a cell phone when I was freshman year of high school. That was my first year getting a cell phone. So by the time I was a junior or senior, kind of like the smartphones had come out and I had a decent phone when I was in high school. And I used to get distracted really badly by my phone. I liked playing video games. And what would end up happening is that most days I would get home at, well, I'd have like, let's say I have marching band, right? So I'd get home at 6.30, 7 o'clock, and I'd have three homework assignments to do. And it would take me until 11 o'clock midnight to do those instead of what – and what I ended up having to do after was I told myself, man, I'm multitasking so much because I'd be sitting there and I would be – my phone would be sitting on the desk next to me. And so I'd be checking my texts. I'd be checking Facebook. I'd be checking whatever. While I was doing my homework and I was never fully engaged in my homework. And even though my grades were okay, I was staying up till way too late trying to get these assignments done. Well, I apologize late when I'm recording this, by the way, talking about time management and it's, eh, it's 10 o'clock. I'm fine. <laughs> but this is something that I had to teach myself. I, I almost had a reward system where I would do homework for, I would say, all right, I got three homework assignments. I'm going to start with the most difficult one first. That way, if I get frustrated, it's not super late, and I'm also stressing myself out because I don't know if I'm going to be able to finish it, right? So I start with the worst one. I would always get home. If you're going to do your homework right away when you get home, at least give yourself a chance to like get a snack, drink some water. I know that we're not talking about students, but parents, try to get have your student like eat something, or if it's later on, after a sports practice or what have you, just eat dinner first and then sit down even if you want to turn the kitchen table after dinner you know clean it up and then use that as a as a work station have them put their phone on the other side of the room and cuz way too many of our teenagers are cell phone addicted and they don't even realize it have them put it on the other side of the room and say all right you got three homework assignments to do let's get one done and no matter what like you cannot go on your phone until it is done And unless you need it for a resource, and then you specifically can make sure they're only using their phone for that, whether it's textbook online or calculator or whatever. And then and then you get 15 minutes on your phone, take a little break, be on your phone. And now all of a sudden it's a reward for yourself. And it's not just a hindrance to you. And sorry, bad podcaster. What is that sound? Dirt bikes or something else. I'm in the middle of yeehaw Florida. So, <laughs> um, and yeah, that's just it's it's more going along that in my notes. It's more a lot more along the lines of help your students with the process. I wasn't good at time management until I got into college, and I had to do a ton of stuff all at the same time. And students have to learn to to manage their time better. So, all right, moving on to teachers. So I've got, a, I've got a couple things for us, and the first one is be open about your class time being valuable to you and the kids. This is mainly to administration. Taking students out of the same classes over and over will end up sinking them. This is a, a big thing that's happening at my school right now is – so we have testing over the next two weeks, and it's called fast testing, which is hilarious. They renamed it because that's what Florida does is – uh, the testing system gets really screwed up and the parents start complaining about it. And so they say, okay, we're going to revamp the testing. And then it looks exactly the same. They just give it a new acronym and they call it something fun and trendy, like fast FASD. It's like the Florida something, I don't know, assessment, something, something. And so what they're doing right now, these next two weeks at my school. Every, so every Monday, Is when the sixth graders are testing and they are missing periods one, two, and three for the next two weeks. So both Mondays. And then on Tuesday, Wednesday are normal days, but those are block periods at my school. So we only have periods one, three, five, seven on Tuesdays and periods two, four, six on Wednesdays. And we get out an hour early on Wednesdays because that's what we do here. And then, and then same thing, seven period days, Monday and then Thursday, Friday. Thursday, the seventh period, the seventh grade. Uh, kids are testing, and they will miss periods 1, 2, and 3. And then on Friday, the 8th graders are missing periods 1, 2, and 3. Now you say, okay, so those kids are only missing periods 1, 2, and 3 once because they will see them the rest of the way. Yes. However, we have to remember, not every class has all 6th graders in it, or all 7th graders or all 8th graders. So I'll, I'll tell you this. I have a class of 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. It's my boys' class first period of the day, right? And it's about a third, each of them. So I'm going to be missing a third of my class on Monday. I will see them on Tuesday. I don't see them on Wednesday because we don't have first period. And then I'm missing a third of my class on Thursday and a third of my class on Friday. That's for two straight weeks. And so I actually only have all of those kids together practicing their music for their concert twice over the span of 10 school days. Now that is something where I am not able to build the relationships with those students as effectively as I could a handful of years ago when we had all seven period days or even just block days, you know, just Wednesday and Thursday or just Tuesday and Wednesday, whatever it was that that year. So teachers, make sure that you are your own advocate. There's nothing wrong with going to your assistant principal and saying, hey, I I know that we may have not been thinking about it because we're really just thinking about testing right now. But I'm going to be missing all of these kids from my classes, and it's really, really cutting into my instructional time, and I know that the state tests are really important, maybe the most important thing to a lot of people. I disagree with that statement, but I know that we might think it's the most important thing of the year. However, I'm losing out on multiple days with my classes. Is there not a more efficient way for us to do this? Can we not test during their classes? On those block days, right, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, those kids are in those classes for an hour and a half. If testing takes two hours, why not just make those periods a little longer on certain days? That way the kids can go do their testing during their regular class time. But alas, that's not how it works in a lot of schools. (laughs) So if you are a teacher that has a big standardized test attached to it, so like in Florida here, it's math and ELA. Give quizzes early and often. Do not make it a taboo thing. And this could be something as simple as just once a week, you're going to do a 10-question quiz just to get them in that environment. And don't let them talk during it. Put them in the actual testing environment. Make slips for them so that they're filling everything out. Once again, it's about the process for a lot of these kids. It's not about the content. They know the content. This happens all the time. I have teachers say, man... These kids all did really well on all of my tests and then they get to the standardized test and they just they bombed and I don't know what's up. That's because the environment is so different. Prepping them for it is so different. Maybe do a test at during the same period as another teacher and have the other teacher come in and watch your class and you go watch theirs. That way they're they have a teacher that they're not used to used to being in the room in the room with them. That will help a lot too because that happens a lot during standardized testing just doing as many things as we can to prep them for the real thing when they get there. This is something that's run rampant at my school over the past couple of years and I get it but at the same time I think it's doing more harm than good which is allowing for test corrections to be ha- now I don't mind test corrections this, this I don't mind that at all to bring participation grades up or whatever especially when a kid bombs a test but allowing test corrections to be handed in for an equal grade to that of the test there are so many students that I have heard coming through into my room that say, oh yeah, I took my civics test and I got a 60 on it, but I'm not worried about it because Mr. or Mrs. blah, 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 um, th- they let us do test corrections and I can get a 100 on it. I just have to do it for homework. This shows the students that second chances will always happen. And yet we don't have that leniency when it comes to the big standardized tests. So I know that the heart is in the right place with that. But when students go in and they know that these specific teachers always allow for test corrections or these classes always allow for test corrections, that means that they don't have to try as hard the first time because they're just going to be able to hand it in again and they're going to be able to go home and Google all of the answers and cheat on the test and bring it back in as test corrections and then you're going to say, awesome, they know it now. And then the standardized test comes up and you go, man, they got a 100 on this quiz based on my based on my grade book. Yeah, because they just went home and looked it all up online. The kids aren't stupid. So we just have to be mindful that that's what kids are going to do. And if we're okay with it and we're okay with kids just failing, that's fine. But I, I, I don't think it should be. And then the last thing that I have for teachers is remember that every score is relative. An 85 to one student might feel the same as a 55 to another because expectations are a case-by-case basis. And I just, I I hate when I see or hear students, teachers, what have you, telling a student, oh, you got to... A student will be really sad that they got an 85 on on the test. And the teacher will say, yeah, but an 85 is really good. That's, you know, that's higher than the class average. Well, to some students, they are being taught at home, whether we think this is fair or not. They're being taught at home that they should be the top. If they are not the best score in the class, if they are not getting a 100%, then somehow, then obviously they have done something wrong. So we have to remember to just give grace to these kids and don't diminish their feelings. It's just like – we'll talk about this when we do some mental health stuff. But it's just like when a kid gets a dirty look shot across the room at them by some random kid in the lunchroom. That might completely crush their day, and they come home bawling. It, it ruins their day entirely and we as adults look and say oh my god really like that's not even that big a deal like you're going to you're going to face way worse stuff when you're an adult so like get over this one but that that may be a really really big deal to them that's the biggest thing they've faced this is why I'm a huge proponent of getting kids pets right i think it's we all have to deal with death at some point obviously and i think children learning how to cope with death, feeling the emotions that come with death is much better when it's your goldfish when you are three years old and your ferret when you are 10 than it is with a really tragic passing of a loved one or a friend because these are things that we deal with. And the same can be said for test scores. Obviously, it's not as serious as Death. However, don't diminish the feelings of someone because if they're used to getting 100% on the quizzes and then they get a 90, even though it's an A, us telling those kids, well, it's still an A. You should be happy with that. But they're not. So telling them that their feelings don't matter is not the way to go about it. Talking to them exactly like how you would talk to a student that normally get C's and they got an F on the test is the same as a kid that normally gets A's and they get a C on the test. So just remember it's case by case basis. So anyway, um, that, that'll do. That was, that was very quick. Well, I, I say it was quick, but it was 25 minutes, not as long as the, as the podcast, with Braden, as always, if you want to be on my podcast, send me an email over at, mtacpod at gmail.com it's also in the the description so have a wonderful week everyone happy testing season and my wife would kill me if I didn't say this so uh, you know happy birthday pretty soon it will be your birthday by the time the next pod comes out so happy birthday I love you and happy old anniversary which is what we are on this oh and the last thing she would still kill me if i didn't say it's officially september so it's basically halloween so happy halloween everyone (laughs) anyway have a good one